Welcome to season two of the ITA College Tennis Coaches podcast. We have lots of great interviews lined up for you this season, and I hope you'll continue to find these conversations helpful for your professional development as a college tennis coach. Today, I speak with Christina Moros, the head women's tennis coach at the University of South Florida. Christina was a four-time All-American at the University of Texas before moving into the world of high-performance junior development. She came to college tennis relatively late in her coaching career, but has wasted no time in becoming one of our most respected coaches at the Division I level. In this podcast, we discuss why she chose to leave high-performance junior tennis for the college coaching world, what key lessons she learned playing for Jeff Moore, how she balances work and family as a single mother and gather some of her perspectives on being a woman of color in the world of intercollegiate athletics, plus a lot more. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Christina Moros, welcome to the ITA College Tennis Coaches podcast. Thanks, Dave. It's good to uh, good to hear your voice and be working with you again. Yeah, it's. I've learned that uh, in order to catch up with you, I need to schedule a podcast. <laughs> right yeah let's just do it every week okay. <laughs> i'm sure people would get sick of us um yeah, probably. okay well i want to want to take you back to your days at texas a little bit I'm, I'm interested to learn more about your experiences there under jeff moore jeff was actually one of our first guests on the podcast so um you know obviously very experienced coach and now what he's doing in, in kind of the corporate world but how did he influence how you operate as a college coach today I mean, obviously he had, he played a big role and, and what I'm, what I'm doing right now. And I think because of the experience that I had at Texas and, and being coached by him, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to get back to being a, a college coach. So one of the things, there's a few things that, that, that I want to point out with him is he did such an amazing job of, and again, I don't know if he got lucky or what it was, but he really did an amazing job of, of really um, developing peer leaders. Mm. And that was a huge part of, of our program. And I don't know if it was from a recruiting standpoint that he recruited the right people and then kind of groomed them. But I've really kind of taken a role in that in the recruiting process of, of how um, how I feel like these certain players will do in, in a group. And if I think they have the, the ability to become really strong peer leaders. And another thing that I really learned from him is he did such a great job of really understanding the player, um, understanding, you know, what motivates you, what, what doesn't motivate you. And it was kind of individual for, for everyone. He just did a really good job of really developing that relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think with that, along with the, the peer leadership was a, was a huge part of, of my experience at, at, at Texas. And then I think he talked about this uh, a bit, and especially in his book, um, that it's, it's okay to joke around and, and, and have fun. You know, he, he cultivated this culture that, you know, we were competitive, that we were, um, you know, very, very strong personalities. Um, so he, he had to scale us back uh, a bit, especially when it came to big matches and stuff. He would, he would pull these stunts that sometimes were just like, what the heck is he doing? It would just kind of like, it would make us laugh a bit, but it, it really helped us kind of get in that right space of, of not being too nervous or, mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, too competitive, uh, when we didn't really need to be on that particular day. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, you're you're t- reading Jeff's book. I mean, it sounds like the those teams were were ultra competitive, and and you know, knowing you as well, and and um, you know, learning about your career uh, while we worked together. Yeah, it sounds like th- those teams were just um, you know from top to bottom ultra competitive, and went on to have a lot of success. So, are you trying to breed that same type of competitiveness amongst your teams? And and if so, how do you go about doing that? Uh, I think absolutely. It's, it's, that's actually something that we've, we've talked a lot about now that we've, we've had a lot more time than the normal to kind of reflect on, Mm. on things that, that we've done. And it's something that I've brought up with my coaching staff that I feel like we need to do a little bit more. Um, I've been hesitant to kind of do it in the past because I just feel like we didn't really have the, the right culture to do it. But, um, you know, I think it's important that our, our players on the team learn that, you know, they are competing against each other, but they also have this ability, uh, outside of the court to support each other as well. And it's, it's really hard to kind of find that balance, you know, especially at this day and age. And I, and I think it takes just a lot of, um, commitment in, uh, kind of throughout the years of, of talking about it and making sure that you're bringing in the right players that you feel that, that, that can do it. And you, you don't always get it right, you know, for mm-hmm. sure. But, um, you know, trying to kind of cultivate that culture of, of, of being able to compete and practice and kind of get in your face a little bit, but at the same time talking about it and understanding, Hey, like, you know, we're doing this to, to make you better. And sometimes you can't be afraid of that friction a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that's, that's sometimes, the the biggest hindrance to doing it that it, it causes too much friction and then there's a split or a divide within the team and and then you spend all your time trying to to patch up that divide and it's it's such a fine line um that coaches are walking but okay so yep. to tell us a little bit about um you know why you took such a, a long break between the end of your college tennis career and then starting as a college coach um, this is a, this is a great question because it really kind of makes me think about, and now that I'm older, really kind of understanding why, why I did what I did when I was mm-hmm. younger. And, and the more that I, the more that I thought, I think about this kind of thing, it, it was more because I, you know, my whole junior tennis career, I, I wanted to be a professional tennis player. And that was, that was the thing. And when I, when I stopped playing college tennis, I, I played for a little bit, but, you know, was mature enough to kind of realize that I didn't really have the discipline to be <laughs> a top 50 player in the world. And so, and so, um, getting into coaching was in a weird way, kind of my way of continuing my professional career and not necessarily giving up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really kind of the thing that appealed to me the most where, you know, I felt like I had, you know, something to still give, you know, to, to a young player. And, and my first coaching job was, was a, was a private situation. So where I had the most to give, you know, for the, for this young player and, and her trying to be a professional. So, um, that really helped. And then I, I ended up really liking it. And, you know, when you, part of really liking it is you have success in it. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the more successful that, that I got, you know, then money played a big part of it. I mean, there's a big financial reason, I think why I stayed in it as long as I did, because, you know, you kind of knew that if you, 
you went into college coaching, you weren't going to make the amount of money that I, I would have been making now as a, as a junior coach, right. um, especially a successful junior coach. So that, that definitely kept me, kept me in it for, for a while, for sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, going back to your, your playing days a bit as well. I mean, you said you didn't have the discipline to be a, a top 50 player, but do you, do you ever regret that decision? I mean, you, you obviously had, had the talent and I probably in doubles could have uh, at least been a, a top 10 player in the world. Uh, potentially, do you, do you ever look back on that and regret that decision? I, I think you definitely look back. I wouldn't say that I, I regret it. Um, I'm very happy where I, where I am now and where, where mm -hmm. this path has, has led me. So I wouldn't say I, I regret it, but it, you know, it's definitely something that, that you look back on. But I, to be honest, I, I don't think I really got my discipline or my maturity until I was, I was a little bit later. And sometimes that's just a, a timing thing that you can't really help. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then, so what, pushed you over the edge then to finally get into college coaching? Um, there's a few things. So I, I think, first of all, kind of realizing that the path that I was going, you know, I was going to be on the court eight to 10 hours a day, pretty much for the rest of my life or until, <laughs> until I decided to, uh, to not coach anymore. So that, that was a big thing. And, you know, I, I have, you know, my, my father was a, was a tennis professional mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing what, what he did and at his later stages of, of his coaching career. And, and, you know, it's not something that I necessarily wanted. And then at the time too, I was, I was volunteering at, at Texas. And so I was, I was getting into, to college coaching a bit and you know it, it was hard because i was still you know responsible for our junior academy um mm -hmm. so I, I did it what i could but you know i really found myself really kind of gravitating towards the, the 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 college tennis life and um you know when the motivation to, to to keep your job is to make your athletes better uh in college versus the motivation to basically keep food on the table and, and, you know, keep your, your financial status going because, mm -hmm. you know, when you're, when you're a junior coach, you do have a tendency. It's always in the back of your mind that, you know, you want to push them, but you, at the same time, you don't want to, you know, make someone mad or make a, make a parent mad where you're not going to be able to pay rent the next month. So, mm. um, just, it, it was a different motivation for me. And I found, the more that I did, I think I volunteered at Texas for three years before, before I came to Oklahoma. Um, the more that, that I was in it, the more that I realized I, I felt like I was a much better coach with a different set of motivation in, in college. And then also too, just, just being around an, an older group of, of young women and being a, a, a woman myself at the time, I, I really took some passion into, you know, making sure that I was a good mentor for them. Mm. So that's interesting. So how have you evolved, not just since your, your time as a volunteer and then an assistant and then now a head coach? So so how do you think you've evolved over the last several years as a, as a coach? I think the biggest thing for me is just understanding that you need to evolve, mm -hmm. um, that it's just not about the the playing experience or, you know, your coaching experience or your, your resume that you had that just kind of makes you a, a great coach. It's, it's just understanding that you're, you're constantly learning. And it's a pretty humbling experience that when you realize, you know, when you've, you've done a lot on paper, let's say, um, and, 
and that doesn't necessarily you just can't rely on that to to be to be good if you if you want to get better at what you're doing that you need to to make sure that you're you're kind of constantly seeking out new information and if it's not just from not even from tennis but you know i i know for me Really, as I've gotten at, at USF, I've I've built a lot of great relationships with with fellow coaches here, and um, even people in the department and people outside of of USF that that's constantly helped me um, be better. And I think when when you get that, when you start to realize that that's that's the thing that's going to make you better, kind of lights a fire under you that you want to keep on kind of seeking out more information, really wherever you can. Mm. No, that's that's cool to hear and, and great answer because I think a lot of really good players when they get into coaching, I think they they think they know more than they they actually do and, and like you said, rely on their, their playing talents a little bit more and not recognizing that the job is just so much more than than being able to hit a good ball with with the with the team that there's uh, there's there's so much to be done and, and the you like you said, as you as you go on on your your kind of your playing playing credentials mean less and less and less um so yeah okay so how do you find ways to connect with your student athletes as as you get older now and and finding that maybe you have a little less in common with them (laughs) um yeah this is this is a fun question because it, it, it's it's funny because you know as I've I've gotten older I'm not going to say my my age on this thing right now but um, <laughs> as as I've I've gotten older you don't really see yourself as being old but then when you really think about certain things like okay yeah you are, you are old like I ask them about you know certain certain music or, or whatever that I think is so popular and you kind of forget no you're about you know 25 years uh, behind here so uh, <laughs> um, but really I I think for me it's it just comes down to engaging and uh again to uh, i'm going to bring back my re- my recruiting process I, I i really spend a lot of time with with our recruits of of engaging with them talking to them and 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 really kind of see if i can have really great conversations with them not just you know about tennis but just about other things in in general and and i want to make sure that i'm bringing that that right kind of person that I connect with, um, mm-hmm. with them. And, and something that's kind of unique to USF is at our courts, we don't have a locker room at our courts. So before practice, when our girls show up early, they're, they're just hanging out like by the courts. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I've really noticed that I, I can really get some really good conversations where they're not necessarily in competitive tennis mode yet. Um, them just, either them talking amongst themselves and they include me in, in the conversations or, you know, whatever, uh, I engage in the, in the conversations and initiate it itself. But that's something that I've noticed that that's really helped me kind of relate to them a little bit. And then, you know, I'm sure a lot of coaches do this, but, you know, on road trips, you know, we have no cell phone rules in, in, in certain areas and, and really just kind of having conver- conversations with them. But again, I think it came down to, making sure that I recruit the right players that I have a connection with where those conversations don't seem as awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that we've kind of built that relationship before. So that's, that's important. Mm-hmm. And are, are you using social media at all to connect with your student, not, not recruiting now, just with your current student athletes? I mean, do you, do you find yourself using 
any other than say text or WhatsApp? Are you engaging with them on social media in any way? I personally don't. I kind of have this um, the social media rule that you know I'm not going to look at their stuff unless they want me to. Mm-hmm. And I'm, pretty much everyone has asked me to follow them, so it's it's not really a. But I, I also don't. I want them to feel comfortable with it doing it. But it's I'm not great on on social media. I, I think I do Facebook, and that's like the old person's one, I guess, at this mm-hmm. point from what my from what my girls are are telling me. Um, so. Like, yeah, I don't. I don't do the the Snapchat or the the TikTok. The TikTok. No, yeah, no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really into that. <laughs> I'm shocked to hear that, Christina. <laughs> um, yeah. So, have you any musical recommendations now? Anybody that that uh, we should be listening out for that that your players have exposed you to? Oh God, no! I, I, and he, <laughs> this is a constant fight, like on, on who's going to be, you know, like control of the the ipod i think in the in the in the vans yeah because you know they they know when they they when i'm in control of it they're gonna like they're gonna listen to a certain amount of music but i, I actually <laughs> encourage them to do it and yeah like, oh coach i don't know if you're gonna like this and i'm like it doesn't matter if i don't like it it's just important for me to to hear that you like it so yeah so they're singing along with nine inch nails now are they <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't had that yet okay uh, okay yeah. well yeah. Let, let's move on maybe it, yeah maybe <laughs> maybe a goal for next year okay so so a lot of our coaches um and look people in general just just struggle with time management balancing family balancing work so you're operating at a really high level as a single mom um would you have any insights as to how you manage it all and any tips for coaches yeah um i think the main thing for me, that's really helped me, particularly in the in the past few years, is really what you define as success. So I think you know pre uh, pre my son, you know I was okay if I didn't win a national championship or if I didn't do this X amount on on paper, then I was kind of a failure. And as I've I've grown and evolved, it's it's really you know. I'm very proud of, of the balance and, and the success that, I, that I've had because, you know, there's, there's a lot of days where you go and sometimes your, your success that day is, Hey, I didn't kill my kids. Like he ate and he, and he's asleep and like that's, then he's happy and that's good. And that, and, and then there's other days where you do a lot more than that, you know? So mm-hmm. I think, you know, really kind of reevaluating what, what your success is. And, and, and that goes true, you know, as well as, 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 as tennis things, you know, I mean, we've had years, you know, where we, we've been super successful and, you know, we've, we've gone through phases where, where we haven't and something that has just kind of changed my, my uh, view on success is, is really what my players are doing outside of when they graduate from me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, are they able to get jobs right away and such a competitive market and are they being able to stand out and be leaders? And so that's something that's, you know, that's, that's really helped me. And then another thing too, is my son is, is really involved with the team. Um, and that's something I'm, I'm pretty proud of the, the girls love being around him. Like I've made it a point now where he travels to at least uh, one of our road trips a year, if not, if not two. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that's, that's been really cool. Cause I think also too the, 
the team kind of sees a human side of me as well. Um, you know, being me being a mom and a, and a parent. And I, I think that's important for them to, to witness that, um, as well. And, and, you know, it, it helps because it, you know, there's times, you know, where I feel like I am, you know, neglecting him because of my job. But when he's around us on the road trips and you see him in the stands with the players that aren't playing and like he's interacting with them and joking with them and, and cheering on the on the Bulls. It's it's just a, it's a, it's a really cool feeling. So, um Again, like it's it's not something that I ever thought that I would do, but um, it's something now that's that's pretty important to me. So I think, you know, when you're when you're in this and you're a parent, it's really just kind of managing your expectations of of what you. It's not always what you thought it was going to look like, and more about you know what you're comfortable and what you feel feel happy doing, and and really understanding that sometimes there aren't enough hours in the day to get everything done right. And I know there's times where I've gone to bed and you're kind of beating yourself up that I, I couldn't let myself do that. Or I, I, I didn't have time to do that today. And, and, you know, really kind of understanding what's going to keep you up at night that you need to do and, and what's not going to keep you up at night that you can wait till tomorrow or, or later on in mm. the week. Yeah, I like that. Okay. I'm going to think about that today. Thank you. So, so despite everything on your plate, you, you still, um, you know, you served on the NCA committee. You're about to go back on that committee again in September. Um, you've served on the operating committee for the last several years. You've put your name forward, um, to go again for the next three years. Um, so why do you believe it's important to serve college tennis in this way? And, and why would you encourage other coaches to get involved? Well, the, the first thing that comes to mind was, is as being a head coach to young women, I'm actually asking my team on a pretty regular, regular basis to, to get involved, mm. you know, to, to be pioneers and leaders and in their interests and, and their passions and, and really, you know, take that extra step and not just, um, follow, but to, to, to want to, to, to be a leader, you know, if they're that passionate about it and they want, they want change. So I, I, first, I think it's important for me to set that example. So if, if I'm asking them to do it, you know, it's only fair that, that I'm, I'm showing that, that I'm doing it as well. And then really the, the second thing that, that motivates me is really the longer that, that you're in it, the more that, you know, obviously if you like it, you, you kind of take ownership of it and you definitely take ownership of the sport and, and how you feel things could be better. Um, and, and really just, you know, wanting to, to make a difference really where, wherever you can. Yeah. Cause it's, it's obviously a challenging time and it's great to hear you're going to be back on the NCA committee with, with everything that's going on, obviously with, with the NCA and, um, you know, there, there's more things coming out every week as to, to adjustments potentially being made to, to the NCA model. So, um, it's, it's great that you're going to be, uh, again, serving us in that way. So thank you for your service. Um, so Thanks. do you, do you believe that being a woman of color has ever hurt you with recruiting or job opportunities? Um, Tough question. I mean, it's, it's for, in a recruiting standpoint, it's, it's really hard to know, mm -hmm. um, you know, because there's, there's just recruits come up with, you know, every excuse in the book to, <laughs> to, 
try and let you down easier, you know, whatever it is. And obviously that's not one of the excuses that they would, <laughs> that they would say or, or that they would admit. So, um, I've, I've never felt that way. Like when a, when a recruit is, is told me no. So I, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, as far as job jobs go, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't know if I've directly felt it, but I, but I do think that, you know, in some cases I've, I've been a victim of stereotyping. And in some cases, you know, sometimes you're just the, the token non white person that they have to, to check a box or, mm-hmm. or fill a, fill a quota or, or, or whatever it is. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I, I truly believe that things happen for a reason. So if, if you're brought in to fill a quota, then take advantage of that and, and sell. Or, you know, I know my younger self, I, I held back a bit just because it wasn't my style to really put myself out there, mm-hmm. out there. Or even in, in meetings, you know, that we have to draw attention to, to myself because as someone of color, um, I feel like sometimes your mistakes are a little bit more amplified than, than others. So you, it, 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 you have this fear of, of, of really putting yourself out there and, and, and you're kind of holding yourself back. But, you know, the more that I've learned, you know, you, you can't really hold yourself back from those things because the right people are going to see you. Mm-hmm. The right people are going to appreciate you. The right people are going to hire you. So, but you have to be willing to put you out there. So, so that they can find you really. Hmm. Okay. And, and so obviously we don't have much diversity amongst our college ranks as we sit here today in 2020, um, whether that's from, from a gender perspective. Um, I mean, I looked at, at the figures most recently, um, and I think about if we put all our divisions together, men and women, I think about a little bit over 20% of our, our coaches are made up of women. Um, but then obviously from, from, um, a racial background as well. Um, I don't have the numbers, but it's something that, that we're working on. But how, how can we increase the level of diversity amongst our coaching population as a group? I mean, obviously the ITA has a role in that. And, um, you know, I tried to get across the coaches that we were all the ITA. Um, you know, we right. have about three, 300 to 400, uh, volunteer coaches sitting on various different committees. Um, obviously the head office has to carry out, um, you know, the, the objectives and the strategy, but, but really we, we all need to work together. So what, what advice could you give us all? I mean, I, I think, you know, especially, you know, during this time right now, it's, it's, it's a pretty volatile situation on, on really kind of what to do. Uh, And I think first and foremost is, is really just kind of being everyone being aware, you know, I, I'm not sure I, I I knew that stat until, until you just, you just said that. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty significant stat. So I I think it's, it's part of our responsibility as well. And, And this is something that I talked about a little bit earlier about us, as non-white people to, to, to be willing to, to put ourselves out there a little bit more and not be afraid of the, the consequences or the mistakes that, that are going to happen. Because again, the right people are going to hear you at some point. And now I think too, um, you know, on these hiring committees or, 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 you know, whatever that we need to make sure that, you know, we're, we're inclusive of, of, of everyone obviously as well. But, you know, to me, it comes down to, 
and I can only really speak from from my experience, but I just I just know when I was when I was younger, I was I, I held back a lot, and it, and it, I don't know if it because you're the only woman or you're the only non-white person that's that's in the room or or whatever it is and you're kind of scared of you're you're already standing out because Mm -hmm. you know you're a minority in in color and then you don't want to stand out even more because you're afraid of saying the wrong thing Mm -hmm. and i think it's something that as a group we need to to bond together to learn from each other to from learn from from experienced people that have come before us and to gain that confidence to really be willing to, to, to put yourselves out there and, and, and not be afraid of the consequences. Cause I think that was a big part of, of mm-hmm. me that I didn't, I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to make a mistake. So, mm-hmm. you know, just having, building that confidence from, from others and kind of learning and, and people like, like me who, who have been in it a little bit longer. I think it's also, you know, our duty to, to help, to help, people younger that are, that are coming up and to give them that confidence. And, and I, I think that can, that can definitely spread. Mm-hmm. So, so is that the advice then if there's a young woman of color out there listening right now and is, it wants to make their way in this profession and, and kind of follow a, a similar trajectory that you have, um, it's really just trying to to put themselves out there, uh, believe in themselves a little bit more uh, and make connections um, uh, as soon as they can. Is, is, is there anything else you'd add to that? Um, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I think that's that's the that's the number one thing. And, and really just, again, like be be prepared as as, as much as you can. Um, and the only way that you're going to really going to know how to be prepared, I believe, is that if you if you go and ask someone and and don't be afraid to fail. I mean, because again, I mean, you know, this, when I was, when I was an assistant trying to go for, for head coaching jobs, I, I failed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, not being, not being afraid to, to fail and, and trusting that I, the right kind of people are, are going to see you when it's time. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to move on to our rapid fire round. So can you, um, is there a, is there a book that's had any impact on you or a major impact on you as a coach? Yeah. Um, a few years ago I read, uh, Pat Summit's book. Mm. Um, and she really talked about, uh, being a coach and, and then particularly from a, a mother standpoint too, she talked a lot about that. And so that was, uh, that had a huge influence on me. Um, you know, just kind of learning on, on how someone as, as great as, as she was, um, you know, how she, she approached things. Mm. Do you remember the name of that book, Christina, or am I putting you on the spot? Um, just the Pat yeah, Summit book. No, just put that in Google. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was called Sum It Up. Sum It Up. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, it's Thank Pat, you. Pat Summit's uh, biography. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite drill that you like to do at your team? <laughs> um, this goes back to uh, a Jeff Jeff Moore days. So it's uh, it's mini tennis, and I and I know he talks about this in, in his book as well. And, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a part of me, I think it, it kind of puts a little smile on my face. Like when we do do it, cause I know how much I struggled with this drill. When I was <laughs> and so to, you know, kind of see my, my players go through that as well, but it's, it's just such a simple way of getting into the heart of a competitor on your team. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's just a, a great drill. So what you do is you just, you just have, um, 
they have uh, the, the service lines mini tennis. They're basically just bunting the ball back, but you can't come in. You can't put the ball away with a volley or anything like that. So sometimes the points are, are lasting five minutes if they're really good competitors. And then, you know, if, if they're not and they're too tired, they'll, they'll end up making a lot of mistakes and the, the game goes by pretty quickly. Mm. So what do you play up to? Do you play up to a certain score? Um, yeah, we, we normally play to, to seven. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but if those games are going by quickly, which usually in the beginning of the year, they're going by more quickly than they do after we've been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And, yeah, and will you always do that at the beginning of practice or will you throw it in at some random point in practice or how do you decide? where it belongs uh, sometimes sometimes i'll start with it and sometimes i'll i'll uh do it in the middle or sometimes at the end it really just kind of depends on mm-hmm. on where we are in the in the year there's not really a, a particular method that okay. i that i have on on every time so can you name one thing you've changed your mind on in recent years whether in coaching or in life uh, I think this goes down to what, what we were talking about earlier about, you know, being a single parent and how I'm managing things is, is really how I define success. Mm. Um, you know, just, uh, again, you know, there's, it's not just always stuff that's on paper, but I, I get so proud of, of, of my, my team when they, when they're, when they call me, you know, five years afterwards and, you know, they just got a promotion or mm-hmm. they're doing this or they're starting this. And, and, and that's something that's, um, you know, it's kind of motivated me a little bit more, not necessarily trying to get a trophy every time. I mean, obviously we're, we're trying to do that kind of stuff, but it, it doesn't mean that, um, we weren't successful if we don't, if we don't achieve that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And is your favorite quote still, I hate to run? <laughs> um, yeah uh, yeah that's, that's it is. pretty much it at, at, at this point um, yeah uh, okay uh, but, oh, yeah. No, but in all seriousness uh, there's a quote i'm actually sitting in my office right now and it's it's it what what comes easy won't last and mm. what lasts won't come easy so I, it's something that uh i i think about a lot and um you know especially when you're when you're trying to build a program and a lasting program and lasting change for the better and mm-hmm. it's something that you always kind of have to remember okay and what is one lesson you hope all your players have learned by the time they leave the university of south florida um it's hard it's hard to pick one but mm-hmm. I would have to say that they're that they and they alone are the ones that are responsible for their own happiness and success. You know, that they can't they can't expect to rely on other people that, you know, they really have to take control of their life and 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 be independent because they're the ones that are, are responsible for it. And then also too that I hope that I, I set a really great example for them that you know, that they can be an amazing mother and, and succeed in the in the workforce as, as well. Like that that is possible. Mm-hmm. Well, I have no doubt you're setting an amazing example for them. Christina, I, I, I want to thank you for making me a better coach and a better person and, and for all your service to college tennis. So thank you for coming on the podcast. No, thanks. Thanks for having me, Dave. This was awesome. Yeah, pleasure. Okay, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks. Bye.